Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars Podcast, and we are your hosts tonight, Nate and Thomas, the Paranoid American. What up, what up? We have Mike Ricksecker with us. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. really appreciate it. Heck yeah, man. This is your first time on the show. Why don't you tell yes. our audience a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Sure. Well, you can find me MikeRicksecker.com. Uh, primarily, I'm an author. I'm a researcher. Of course, it goes along with being an author. Uh, filmmaker as well. Uh, been on a number of the different television shows like Ancient Aliens, Unexplained with William Shatner, The Alaska Triangle, that sort of thing. I have a, a background in uh, the paranormal. Um, been involved with the community some way, shape, or form for like the last 30 years. And um yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different esoteric knowledge. You know, my thing is that, uh, you know, everything is connected. So, uh, you know, us to these different entities, these different beings, the cosmos, the universe, everything's connected. I love it, man. That's awesome. And I'm jealous. William Shatner is a fucking hero of mine. I've been a trek. Yeah, I didn't meet him. <laughs> they don't oh, film together. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's he like? I hope he's a nice guy in person. You never know with celebrities, but right, in my yeah. mind, he's a sweetheart. I'd love to have like a glass of scotch with him or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, they they kind of fly out individually to film and uh, they, they pick like uh, you know, whether it's a you know historic building or house or something like that, that basically has a cool background. And um, yeah, it, it didn't actually meet them, unfortunately. One well, cool, day, man. We'll, we'll all, we'll all, all, all three of us will get there one day. Yeah. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to tell us you were gonna you were telling us a little bit about you're going to Egypt here pretty soon, and then you're doing something in June. You want to? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've been doing these yearly tours in Egypt. Well, the guy that I do them with, Mohammed Ibrahim, he's an Egyptologist, been doing the tours out there for over 20 years. I got involved with him a couple of years ago. And so uh, last year, or actually this past year, uh, we started the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. And uh, we're doing another one next year in April. That's uh, the 17th to the 28th. Eighth, you can find all the information on my website, mikebricksecker.com. And then in June, uh, this June, we're doing a uh, connecting the universe, the event. So I have my uh, connected universe portal, which is an online learning platform, and the podcast that goes along with that is connecting the universe. So we're doing like a, a massive event on this Fort Wayne, Indiana, at the haunted Bell Mansion. Uh, basically, we're doing four major presentations. You know, we're gonna have refreshments and uh, do some videos and things like that, and just really have a, a great time in a cool historic haunted building. And that's yeah, June I love 10th. it. Yeah, that sounds like so much fun. I wish I was like even in the middle of the country, I'd probably drive out there. But I'm <laughs> so far on the West Coast, it's hard. Right. That sounds like a blast. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, what are you? When you go out there, what, can you tell us a little bit more about um, the, the the name's intriguing? Because I'm a big nerd and I love Stargate. Mm -hmm. The Stargates of Egypt? What is that? What exactly are you yeah. doing out there? Well, you know, when you look at the, the ancient symbolism throughout Egypt, um, there are actually hieroglyphs that are uh, basically when they're put together, they spell out the word Stargate. You know, you basically have you know, a star symbol and then a gate. And there's a couple of different representations of it. So um, you could have regular stargate a great stargate um of course the plural form multiple stargates this sort of thing and so uh we go to these locations that have this symbolism embedded there and you know there was a there was an ancient technology that the egyptians had where they would enter into these chambers they got right on the side there boom stargate you know it's not it, it's you could say it's hidden in plain sight but it's right there uh it's something that the ancients would have you know, easily seen, easily known, uh, that sort of thing. And a lot of times you'll see it like, uh, you know, next to a name of uh, a pharaoh or high priest or something like that. So this is the person that would have uh, had the knowledge of how to operate the Stargate and that sort of thing. Uh, another fascinating one, uh, the, the symbolism is at Hatshepsut's temple. When you go all the way back into the Holy of Holies, uh, you have to bribe the guy a lot of money to get in there. <laughs> but uh, if you get past the guards 
and you get into that room off to the one side there's an entire cartouche full of stars and this was essentially uh the stargate and so you know there's debate as to uh how they utilize these stargates did they actually traverse the stars did they go to another planet another solar system did they use it to uh you know as a portal to access another point on the planet because you see a lot of similarities between uh egypt and other cultures like you just look at the uh the step pyramid at saqqara and put it right next to the pyramid at chichen itza and they look almost exactly the same so were they using it in that sort of way uh was it used as a uh, device to enter into an altered state of consciousness and then project the consciousness somewhere else in the, in the yeah. cosmos? so there's a lot of different ways to look at it but they were definitely doing something with energy and with the stars and that symbolism is embedded into their culture i know what i want it to be i want it to be full on as stargates right you want it to be the movie in the show yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah but what you know i've had a lot of uh a lot of talks about this and so like uh, people talk about you know um the tower of babel and how mm. at one point supposedly if you believe the bible and things like that that humanity had one language one culture it was one tribe of people and we all spoke the same language and this one person that i talked to thought about it and he was like just talking about how maybe uh like the tower of babel was more like a period of time and it was like this time where like they would use those pyramids to communicate globally you know and i i thought that was fascinating like via maybe astral travel mm -hmm. or maybe just like they could actually just like mind to mind communicate like from those points of high energy and things like that i just love all of those different ideas man it's fascinating yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you when you look at where these pyramids are built and where these uh, you know ancient sites of power, like you know the stone circles and things like that, they're built on those uh, high strength energy nodes where the telluric currents are uh, you're running through and where they cross. Uh, they call them uh, conductivity discontinuities. That's kind of the technical term, but you know we call them high energy nodes, right? And um, you know they generate all this energy and power, and you know the ancients knew how to tap into that. And even though they're like old, decrepit, they're missing maybe missing some stones and things like that. You can still go to these places and feel that energy, and you, it just makes you think, oh my gosh, if I'm feeling some energy here and I'm able to do a little bit with it now, imagine thousands of years ago when this thing was in its full glory. So, yeah, yeah the idea that they were able to communicate through the earth. I mean, that's what Nikola Tesla was was trying to do 100 years ago. You know, he was his whole Wardenclyffe Tower thing was basically tapping into the earth, utilizing the energy. and He was going to communicate through the ground across the globe. And, you know, he had studied, you know, ancient technology. So he was just piggybacking off of something that a technology that was thousands of years old. And it would have worked if, you know, if he would have been able to uh, keep his funding. And unfortunately, you know, uh, people being greedy like they were um you know they they ripped his funding away they just and it's it's a sad because so many of the different things that he talked about back then um you look at his ideas of you know what back then what they called the automaton which was basically the idea of a basically a drone you know he he kind of created the first drone and you know, he talked about well you know in the future you know we're going to be able to build an automaton that is like me that will be able to think and act like me he's basically talking about ai and this is yeah. you know late 1890 1890s so um it, it's it it's amazing too yeah oh yeah yeah so it, it, it's amazing where his mindset was and everybody laughed at him because you know they did they just couldn't fathom it so but basically he was uh he was accessing that that esoteric ancient knowledge so if if tesla was studying the ancients and came up with these ideas then to me it it just kind of uh you know, adheres to that idea that you know, the ancients had this knowledge, they had this uh, this technology that they were they were able to utilize, and I think we're just kind of picking up little fragments of it here and there, and kind of um, you know putting our modern twist on it. You know, um, it's like this is what we would like it to be, and it's probably has some similarities, but it's probably even greater than we could even imagine. With yeah. these high energy nodes, do you think that there's any? industries or governments that have tapped into it and are currently using it anywhere because my, my first thought would be that if you know if some government out there finds that there's free energy and it's higher energy node mm -hmm. just go and claim that place and tap into it so it's just a matter of 
not knowing how, or do you think that they have some and we just don't know about them? Oh, they have. And some of them you do know about, like Harp. Um, you know, Harp was built on one of those nodes. We have an area up in Alaska called the Alaska Triangle. And it's a place that it, back in the 1960s, uh, the U.S. Department of the Interior had done magnetic surveys up there. And they had uh, they had found what they called, they only surveyed like 100,000 square miles because Alaska is just so freaking huge. Um, but what they did survey, they defined what they called five different magnetic characters. And within those uh, magnetic characters, they had various anomalies, some of which they called negative anomalies. So they built HARP right on top of one of these and basically we're harnessing that energy and you know playing around with the ionosphere and of course you have the different ideas of you know they're maybe they were controlling the weather maybe they were controlling mines and this sort of thing and all the above <laughs> yeah all the above and this was something that they were doing uh you know over 30 years ago now it was well that's probably right at because that was 93 so it's right at 30 years yeah so uh you know imagine okay what do we do with technology over the course of 30 years? We make it more powerful and we shrink it down smaller. So you can imagine these days, there's probably people running around with little heart machines in the back of their car that they don't need this huge, massive facility anymore because they have it, that technology reduced and it's mobile now. So you say that in the harp and Galcona, they might have been actually sourcing some of that insane amount of energy oh, yeah. directly from a high energy node? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that the government takes in occults. And I think that's honestly why, like, if if you look at the country, like, what is it like, like 70% of New Mexico and shit like that, the government yeah. owns, and things like yeah. that, like, they just take huge swaths of land. And so they'll build a base on it. And so you can't mm -hmm. ever visit like those, those high level energy places, they just take them and occult them. Yeah, and, and the American Southwest is an area that you know has a lot of those high energy nodes, and um, you know, yeah, there's a there's a part of the Grand Canyon that you that you can't access. You get so far, and you'll be stopped by uh, you'll be stopped by some guards and say you, know, you need to go back. And it's it's owned by NASA. What in the world is NASA doing in the Grand Canyon? You know, shooting their footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's that. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you were yeah. saying uh, that you're a fan of just kind of like all sorts of esoteric yeah. research in general as well, right? So outside of like the, um, I guess the the pyramids and the the ancient technology, are there any like like really like topics you just geek out over when someone brings them up? No, I'm totally boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that that pique my interest. So anything, yeah, any, anything that's ancient in nature, um, you know, I have. Uh, you know, professionally, I spent uh, and continue to spend uh, you know, over 30 years in the computer industry. So anything that has to do with technology. So a lot of this stuff that's come out about uh, UFOs, UAPs, uh, you know, any of that type of technology is really interesting to me. Um, of course, paranormal supernatural activity, because that's kind of followed me around ever since I was a little kid. So I would love to yeah. know what, what what's the feasible technology for pulling off an actual Operation Bluebeam at this point? Like, what's the what do you think the fidelity of our holograms and, you know, our, our sort of like auditory hallucination induction? Like how how far along are we if someone really wanted to pull off a true blue beam? Would it be enough to convince everyone and few people? Because because I know they originally want to do something like that, maybe an Operation Mongoose and over Cuba, but it was like fireworks and you know projection screens and maybe not anything incredibly impressive. But you know, it's a lot of time has passed since then, and now our technology is pretty insane. Yeah, you know, I, I think when it comes when it comes down to it, I, I think I, I think when we look at our technology. Um, we get kind of too enclosed in the little box that we've put ourselves in. I think we have to take ourselves out of that box. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've kind of confined ourselves into, okay, everything's a semiconductor microprocessor, uh, silicone microchip, that sort of thing. Um, and I think we have to think beyond that. Um, you know, it's gotten us far, but I, I think basically the inner workings of the universe have some similar principles. 
Um, but are are beyond that. I think it's something that's more, you know, maybe organic, you know, biological in nature. So when you talk about, you know, things like the holographic universe, or we living in a simulation, that sort of thing, um, you know, people kind of harken back to, okay, you know, the matrix computers, this sort of thing. It's like, yeah, those principles, yes, but the technology itself, I think, is far beyond what we can what we currently imagine, but I don't think it's extremely complicated. I think it has more to do if we go back to, uh, you know, more of, you know, looking at consciousness and how, uh, you know, not necessarily the mind within the body, but the mind outside the body and how we actually connect to the rest of the universe with our own personal energy. So when we look at, you know, things like, uh, you know, time slips and things like this, you know, how are, how are those moments actually happening? Uh, you know, we were, uh, Nick and I were talking a little bit before the show, he was interested in a uh, story about, um, you know, a little boy who, uh, when he was young, he basically saw a, a shadow person, a hooded shadow person in the kitchen that scared him to death. He ran out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I know that story. Well, yeah. Yeah. But later on when he was, you know, uh, an older, I, I guess he was a young adult, saw the, his smaller self walk into the room again as a, as a shadow person and run back out. So basically we're talking like some sort of time slip and what happened there to make that sort of thing happen. And I think what's happening is, you know, you have, uh, you know, two moments in time that, cause everything's, you know, energy resonance vibration. And I think what's happening is you have those two moments in time that are resonating at the exact same frequency for just a brief moment. So you get this very quick glimpse of that other point in time. So this is actually the book that I'm working on right now that has to do with time, time travel and this sort of thing. And what I call stack time theory. In that example, do you think that a conventional camera could have caught that? Or do you think that it's something that like an organic entity or like a human would have to experience it. Like if you were set your house up paranormal activity style, could you capture that kind of thing? Yeah. I, you know, it's tough. Um, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you take like all kinds of video footage, all kinds of photos and things like this. And you might get like, you know, three seconds of a piece of footage here and you might capture out of thousands of photos, one thing, even though with your own eyes, you saw all these other things and you know as much as we try to emulate it cameras don't work the same as our own eyes um and we you know we've trained cameras to work in different spectrums as well which is helpful because we can look into some of those other spectrums um but again you know our our eyes are they they work differently uh they have the rods and cones within the eyes so we actually see depending on where we're looking at through your eye out of the side or through the front, we actually see the world a little bit differently. Um, and we just, we can't really emulate that with a camera lens. Plus, even, even though it works differently than the technology we've developed, it's still very, very limited. So like other animals on this planet have greater eyesight than we do and are able to see into other spectrums that we and our technology can't. So when you ask that question, it's like, well, possibly, but maybe not either. Maybe we're not picking up on the right frequency for the camera to be able to capture that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. We talk about that a lot on the show, actually, mm -hmm. just how little uh, actually our eyes can pick up. Our, we're very, very limited with like the spectrums and things that we're yeah, actually less than, able to Less see. than 0.3% of, of visible light, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so much else going on around us that we just don't see. But it's What's fascinating, crazy. though, is that like it's our consciousness, too, that's, that's mm -hmm. like it's like a camera that's attached to consciousness. And so that's maybe why a camera maybe can't pick up because one of those things, like a time slip like that, maybe that's something that only uh like you could experience you know like a, yeah like a camera maybe i don't know that's a fascinating idea i mean well, what i think okay. is happening in those moments is that um you know your your body also has its own resonance fre frequency vibration the human body operates anywhere between about nine to 16 hertz and everybody's different um and of course your own body can fluctuate at different times for a variety of different reasons so you know for uh, you in a particular moment and something else, you know, say another being or entity in that moment, uh, they also have to kind of be resonating at the same, you know, vibration and frequency. So for you able to be able to see something across the dimensional divide like that, um, it has to be very, very 
precise with those frequencies. And so um, it makes it challenging. But, you know, when we do see something, that's why it's like sometimes, uh, you know, the ghost or the being or the entity or the ET or whatever it is will look at you as if you're the ghost or the ET or it'll, it'll take off on you or whatever. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. It's like our bodies are, are very perceptive with a lot of different things like our eyes, like we are pretty darn limited. But like, mm -hmm. I think it, it's one of those things where because uh, we've done a little bit of paranormal investigating, we've gone to some like areas of like very high strangeness and like high paranormal activity and you can feel it and I don't see it. You know, yeah. you can feel it around you. It's one of those um yeah, I don't know. One of those base nature, like uh, maybe a survival kind of instinct where like your adrenaline comes up, you know, the, the hairs on your on your arm right. stand up and you're like, whatever it is, like that chill that hits you. you that's six cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something interesting. And, and our eyeballs really are so very limited. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's I'm, fascinating. I'm curious. Do you give any uh, credit historically to any specific researchers? Like, I'll, I'll throw like one random example out there, but you probably have more. We we like to kind of theorize here on the show that, kind of like you said, there's a grand unification where everything is maybe related. So our our go-to examples: maybe Bigfoot is also an interdimensional being. Maybe mm -hmm. he's also a ghost. Maybe he's also an alien. And it depends on what lens you're perceiving him through, or yeah. what environment, or all the context. Um, but so one of those examples maybe would be like um, Edward Kelly and John D communicating with angels mm -hmm. and the Nokian magic. And um, so that's one example that a lot of people tend to give credit just because of the enormous amounts of, I guess, like dialogues and research and, and sort of observations they had written and then were sort of coveted through the centuries and passed around. But are there any others that you're like, these are my go to's like if I had to write a Bible, these are the books going into. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably a number of people. That, I mean, Hans Holzer, uh, I, I grew up reading his work, so then that's kind of more in the the paranormal field. But you know, he in a number of interviews, he would talk about how um, you know he called the other side. You know, was really you know things that were around us. You know, that um, you know we just couldn't perceive with our own eyes. That were operating at a different speed, is the way he put it. Uh, which, when you think about um, like you know hertz, you know one hertz, two hertz. I mean, you're basically talking about a different speed of whatever unit you're, you're referring to. Uh, if you go way back in the day, um, you know, Synesius, who was a, uh, you know, he basically was a student of Hypatia, uh, you know, back during the time of like, uh, you know, ancient Alexandria. Uh, and and uh, he basically was a father of alchemy. Uh, he's the one that, you know, passed down the symbolism of, of the Ouroboros. And there's a lot of his hidden symbolism within the Ouroboros of the constant renewal recycle. Um, there's, there's duality that's, that's mixed in there as well, as far as, you know, how, you know, our universe, you know, operates at its core. So, um, yeah, so people like that kind of you know, really fascinate me. I'm I'm also curious. Do the same sort of esoteric laws, like as above, so below, for example, mm -hmm. um, would that apply to you know spiritual entities, aliens, humans alike? Is that just like a truly universal type of law? And are there other laws that you know apply to humans differently than others? You think? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, the her hermetic philosophy, as above, so below. Um, you know, you're you're talking about well, even if you look at. Um, some new uh, studies that are coming out of Antarctica uh, over the last few years, you know, the, uh, uh, the Anita project, ice cube project. And basically you have peer reviewed scientific papers that are coming out saying, you know, this data that has come out from there with the neutrinos, you know, coming up out of the earth, which they're not supposed to um, are, are basically telling us that, you know, there is a parallel dimension running in reverse time. Yeah. So, okay. You know, what is that? What does that look like? I mean, if you think about, okay, parallel dimension, running reverse time, that that's duality right there. That's your whole hermetic philosophy of as above, so below, um, you know, something that is mirroring our world. It, it, it's a mirror universe is what they're talking about. Um, so it's, it's definitely applicable to us. And so is this, when we talk about, you know, like the other side or where we go to, you know, after we pass away, is that, the other world that that we go to and that we come back or we're flip-flopping between these two worlds um 
you know, whether that is another dimension, um, if we are in a simulated universe, if that is in uh, something that's extra dimensional, that's you know outside of our uh, known realm, known realm of uh, dimensions, you know, that's also uh, a possibility as well. So there's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down here with this. Well, I want to bring up three rabbit holes in particular. You can pick, <laughs> pick one or none, okay. but uh, you mentioned Antarctica, so I'm, I'm mm -hmm. already have to ask. Uh, when it comes to to Antarctica, is it a portal to flat Earth land? Is it a portal to yeah. Hollow Earth, or is it some you know some other option? Do you do you have any well, sort of like? Is there an ice wall? Is there yeah. something? <laughs> is it yeah? Is it an elevator that goes down, or is it an ice wall right. that you go over, or yeah? What is it? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, okay. So with Antarctica, there there's a lot of mysteries there, and there's a reason why you know every country in the world is trying to get their hands into it. There's a reason why Germany was trying to get down there during World War II. Uh, there's something hidden there that, um, you know, that's very powerful. And personally, what I think is there is uh, is ancient technology. If you think about, you know, the whole land of Antarctica at one point was elsewhere in the world. Uh, you look at ancient maps that have been passed down uh, through the years, like the Period of Reese map and, and some others, you know, they show Antarctica kind of, quote unquote, before we discovered it. Uh, and they show it with, you know, different land formations. They show it with animals and things like this. Um, and the little bit that they've shared with us publicly, they've drilled down and they've, uh, you know, they have found ancient jungles there. Okay, great. So let's say there were uh, civilizations there, ancient civilizations, whether they're humans or some other uh, intelligent life form. You know, what type of technology did they have there? When we think about uh, the ancient cultures, and you know, okay, the question of how did they build some of these massive structures that we don't have a way to build them today? You know, did they utilize some sort of anti-gravity technology? Um, I think the answer to that is probably hidden somewhere there under the ice. Um, you know, the, we see these you know pyramids all over the world. You know, are some of the more ancient original pyramids? under the ice there in, in Antarctica with the technology that was actually used to build them. I kind of didn't answer your question though. Um, <laughs> when it comes to like hollow earth uh, and things like this, uh, I think, you know, hallowed earth, like there are some very, very large cavernous areas uh, under the earth in which, you know, you could have civilizations. Uh, the military is definitely using uh, hollow locations around the globe uh, to, to build bases and things like this. So there are large cavernous areas uh, within the earth. Though I think there's a whole other uh, world down there around the core. Eh, I don't know about that, uh, but there's definitely some large areas under the earth. Uh, UFO bases and things like that. Sure. I, I think uh, there's enough that's kind of leaked out that we know that there's certainly uh, extraterrestrial involvement down there. So, uh, yeah, they're, but they're going to keep a tight lid on that as much as they can. That's fascinating, man. You bring up UFOs. You uh, So how much, because um, you said you uh, did uh, Ancient Aliens, correct? You were on that? Yeah, I've, so far four episodes of Ancient Aliens, yeah. That's really fascinating, man. Uh, that one is a challenge for me. As far as like, but I'm really open. Like, how much do you think that? So, do you give credence to things like the Anunnaki? Do you think that they came from outside of our realm? Things like that. Were the Anunnaki human? Were the Anunnaki something else? Uh, do you dig into any of that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if if you look at the story of the Anunnaki, um, you know, basically they were they were the shiny ones. They were um, they were beings that you know, were not human, but at least close enough, you know, that they were able to you know, have relations with us and, and things like this. Um, you know, but there, you know, a lot of ideas as to, okay, did they come here? Like the stories, they came here for gold, uh, create a slave race out of humans and this sort of thing. Yeah. It's possible. Um, yeah, I, I think with humans though, um, I think we came from elsewhere. We are so different from any other species on this planet. You know, just, you know, looking at the three of us right now, we're, we're all wearing clothes. What other, you know, <laughs> what other creature on this planet clothes themselves like that? Uh, what, what other ones cooks their food and, and things like this? You know, we're so very, very different from any other species on this planet. So I think it really adheres to that. We are from elsewhere. Um, you know, whether that 
you know, is Mars, whether that is from some other planet out in the solar system or some other galaxy or whatever, that's to be determined. Um, you know, or, you know, was there some predecessor to us that, you know, our genes got mixed with, you know, some of the other primates here on the planet? That's also a possibility. So, um, but I don't believe that our origins start from here. And it, it you look at how old the universe is, you know, we approximate 14 billion years old. The earth itself is four and a half billion years old. So what in the world happened with those other nine billion years? A lot. And even our f theoretical physicists are saying, hey, our solar system right now is not the original solar system. It was basically birthed out of a out of another solar system that had previously died. So, you know, we have components here from who knows what happened with this other solar system, right? So there's a lot of history that we really have no idea about. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. It does challenge my personal beliefs because, uh, like, throw I'll throw out my um, my bias. I'm a Christian, and so a lot of these things are like creationism. And, and so for me, it's like the for humans, you you're absolutely correct that humans are absolutely different from any other creature, any other species on the planet here. Like, is even gorillas any anything that's similar to us, bonobos, anything that is similar to us. Look at me. I'm sitting in front of a computer. I, I shave my mustache. I'm wearing head. Like, we are yeah. so absolutely bizarre. The, the way that we interact with the, with the Earth is alien, I guess you right. could even say. Like, the way that we, like, change and manipulate and create and, like, we turn things into plastic. I'm sitting here picking my teeth with this. Like, uh, <laughs> it's not just picking up a twig, which maybe I would, I guess. But, you know, um, yeah, it's well, fascinating. I, I... Let, let, let me touch on that because uh, sure. I, I grew up Catholic. Um, I still technically call myself a Christian because I believe in the teachings of, of Jesus. Um, you know, I think if you just take what, you know, he said in the Bible, um, it, he was he was right on. I, I think a lot of the other stuff that kind of came afterward and, and kind of restructured his teachings into, well, we're going to take it back to a more organized religion. Uh, I, I, I think that that kind of put us right back to where what he was teaching against. Um, all that said, um, yeah, something created all of this. And when we look at, um, you know, idea of, you know, simulated universe, it's right on point with creation. And actually, uh, you know, you look at the, for one, Big Bang is something that's cyclical. Um, I, I do believe in the cyclical universe. I think that's where a lot of our ancient symbolism, uh, like the Ouroboros and some of these other things, you know, constant recycle, renewal, recycle, renewal. Um, when we talk simulated universe, I mean, we usually think the matrix. We think, think something technological. We think something computers. But we look at our ancient religions, uh, like ancient Hindu. They talk about the Maya, the illusion that, you know, what we're living here on Earth is an illusion and that... Um, you know, there's, there's a reincarnation that we, uh, you know, when we pass away, we go somewhere else for a, a while and then we come back here on earth and we, you know, constant recycle renewal. Even when you look at Christianity, when, um, when we're down here on earth, we're preparing to go to another world. This is not the final resting place. And if you, even if you look at, uh, like Jeremiah, you know, uh, when he's talking with Jeremiah, he says, I, you know, I knew you before you were in the room, before you were in the womb. So that means, okay, so the creator knew us before we came to this planet. We're down here on the planet for a while. We're preparing to go on to the other world again. So again, this constant recycle of renewal. So whatever that creator is, um, some people call it God, some people call it something else. Uh, but there is something beyond our comprehension that I believe created all of this. Yeah. I'll, I'll put yeah. my bias on the table too. I, I sure. personally believe in the church of the stoned ape and <laughs> the stoned ape theory, maybe mixed a little bit with alien ant farm, but the stoned ape theory, if you're not familiar is basically that primates, perhaps uh, foraging found psychedelics and through the use of psychedelics, <laughs> they got heightened senses. They were able mm -hmm. to hunt better. They were able to procreate better. Uh, and then through that, all this extra ingesting of psychedelics and protein almost gave way to this like id or this ego and also led to like a quantum leap in brain uh, density. So now all of a sudden you've got way more gray matter and surface area, which then kind of like represents a little bit of why we're so 
far advanced, but also so closely related. But despite all that, all that on the table, you opened this up and we were talking about uh, Stargates and that one yeah. of the interpretations of a Stargate might be projecting your consciousness somewhere mm-hmm. else. So, right. I mean, my my stoned ape theory, uh, you know, sort of like radar went off when you mentioned that because I'm, I'm just curious what your interpretation of like a psychedelic um, like experiences is, is it a clinical thing that's just you know meet space is just connecting dots or are you tapping into like another dimension <laughs> um so here what i'll say about that is um you know for one i've never taken psychedelics so i i have a hard time um you know you know, talking about it because I haven't experienced it myself. And so I think when you have a lot of these clinicians talking about, um, you know, an experience with a psychedelic is just, you know, the, the drug taking effect and, uh, you know, you're not really having a true experience. I would want to ask them, well, have you tried it? You know, <laughs> uh, do you have experience with it and with actually taking it? Um, so that said, um, I, I think, okay, when you, when you are taking these things into your body, um, you are changing th- the makeup of yourself. So we, you know, we're talking earlier about uh, resonance frequency vibration. So when you you're changing that with these different drugs and hallucinogens and things like that, and so yeah, I think there is a possibility that you know some of these things certainly are real. I mean, some of the reports that I've you know read and stories I've read on uh, people who have taken ayahuasca are absolutely fascinating. So it seems like oh, they are interacting with some sort of intelligence there, um, especially when you know somebody wakes up from one of these and you know they're talking with like an elder who has also experienced the same thing and oh yeah i had this experience and the elder saying oh you were talking with so and so such a people and they were able to relate a very similar story to each other that it's like okay they they seem to actually be you know talking and interacting with the same beings so did these you know did these hallucinogens put them put their you know personal vibration on a level that they were able to interact with these interdimensional beings it's possible. Um, you know, if you look at, I don't know, when we go, I don't know, when we deep sea dive, right? Uh, we can only go so far. Uh, we have to put different gases and stuff into uh, into the suit to be able to handle that and be able to interact with what's down there. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> you're not going to last down there. So uh, so you're putting your, your body into a different state to be able to go down there and experience that. So who's to say, you know, taking a hallucinogen isn't similar in nature right Hmm. yeah i love it i love that idea just because well they call it like the god molecule right the uh diet yeah dmt yeah yeah, dmt and things like that so um and that when you have a like a near-death experience or i guess even when you're dreaming and things Mm -hmm. like that you have that the dmt um and you kind of visit these other places and your dreams and things like that um, which sometimes I'm a real asshole in my dream. I wonder if I, you know, ruin someone's <laughs> life or something while I'm in a dream. Um, I, cause I've definitely, I've heard these different experiences where like people, they, they took, a like a strong psychedelic, maybe it was uh, salvia or maybe it was DMT and they experienced their life as like a doorknob. And I love this idea of like a consciousness and absolutely everything. And so like this person lived their entire life, like 40 years as a doorknob. And so the only time they felt human contact was when someone put their hand around it and just like, you know, it's mm-hmm. just absolutely bizarre. But the whole idea of the God molecule and that just dropping, especially at the time of death, uh, that opening up perhaps a portal for your spirit to go through and go somewhere else. I, it's a fascinating idea. And I'm a, I'm a weird Christian, so I do believe in reincarnation. <laughs> and mm. I, I like to call myself actually a Christ follower because I think Jesus Christ is pretty dang awesome. And I, I'm not super religious. I don't do the whole right. Christianity thing. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I think we I think we probably similar in some way. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I'd love to know, do you do, uh, I, I don't know, even Nate, I don't know what your answer is, is, but you guys believe in legit demons, like an actual evil entity, not just like an, an unknown UFO, but like an actual evil entity. Are we talking about like Dr. Fauci or are we talking about like, uh, no, no, it, it, can't, it can't be a human, it can't be a human, but like reptilian demon, um, like a, a poltergeist that's like out for vengeance. Those things like actually exist. Well, I think that I personally, 
I, I think so. And maybe this is more indoctrination for me being a child and like being taught from like the time I was little, I was like six years old. I, I got like the, uh, the Holy spirit. And so I like started speaking in tongues. My mom was teaching me to cast out demons and like send and send Satan running things like that in the name of Jesus. And so, so like, do I have a bias? Is, was this like taught to me as yes. a child? Absolutely. If you're asking. Yes. But, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. But yes, I do absolutely <laughs> believe that uh, just because I think that, whatever it is like it's in and sometimes i think that it's inside of you so like i think that almost every single human has the um has the capability of evil like and like because i've thought about it i thought about like when i was a young man i had a lot of like testosterone i was wild i used to look for fights and stuff i was real jackass and but i i realized if i sat there and i focused on those thoughts i could it was almost like allowing something over me and I could like bring that in. And so some, you could call that a demonic entity or maybe that's just yourself and what you choose to dwell on. I think the things that you dwell on in your mind become you. And so I, I go back and forth, whether or not there's an actual physical, like there's a demon demonic presence that you invite in yourself, or are you just focusing on those dark? I, I don't know, dude. No. So I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but yes, I think so. But, yeah, I would say this. Um, I, I would say there are evil entities out there. Uh, there are evil humans out there. Mm -hmm. So whatever race of creature or being that they may be, I mean, you could debate. You could, you know, if if it's unknown to us, like some other, you know, alien species or some other interdimensional species, and you know, they probably. This is and this is what I say about shadow people. I've done a lot of work on shadow people, and a lot of people try to say, "Oh, they're evil, nasty." Okay, well, yeah, maybe some of them are. I think they're like people. Some people are good, some people are bad. Some shadow people are other being or interdimensional being. You're gonna have good ones, and you're gonna have bad ones. Yeah, that's just kind of that's actually the nature a, of the an universe. Interesting thing that comes up very often whenever someone brings up legit reptilians. I always want to know: Are there any good reptilians out there? Is there like I'm such one a hyper individualist that I have to assume that there's good ones, there's bad ones. Do they yeah. have capitalism? Do they have to go to work? Like, are they? Have to, they're just trying to bring bread home. You know what I mean? Well, I guess like, part part of the context for this question too, the whole like, do demons exist? Because I guess on one front, if you accept some of the ancient alien theories, it takes a little bit of the agency away from humanity. It says. You, you know, you stupid naked monkeys can't make your own pyramids, but these aliens or these angels or whatever, um, they're the ones that were able to do it. So I guess on the flip side of that, it's almost like you guys aren't bad. You're just vehicles. The real evil are, are these like actual amalgamations <laughs> of truly bad energy that just like you know that it's their fault it's not our fault we're just meat suits blame it on all of the aliens well i'll say I this about like the pyramids and some of the other ancient structures i believe humans built them now the technology that they used to build it with um you know either they had some other un understanding of the universe and how physics worked and all that you know that we don't have today that was lost over time you know or Sure, it's possible that you know they are you know extraterrestrials or another species of people that came and taught them how to do it. Because you see in a lot of these ancient cultures, you know, there was somebody that came along and gave us the knowledge and taught us how to do it. But here's the thing: taught us how to do it, and then we did it. So I, I think these structures are still built by humans, but there was a there was other knowledge that they had that we don't have today. I love the idea too of like downloads, because I mean, if you. Nikola Tesla said that he was like channeling and getting like downloads from another place too when he was getting some of these ideas and things like that. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's I it's kind of the idea of the collective unconscious, which is you know what Jung talked about. Um, you know, that there's there's knowledge out there for us to be able to tap into, and that's um, and there's different ways to, to look at it. So you can call it download, you call it collective unconscious. I think we're all talking about the same thing that there's energy and knowledge out there for us to be able to grab and tap into. Akashic records. There's like Akashic a records. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think some of us are more sensitive than others to, you know, it, I, I'm curious. Do you think that every single person is capable of these downloads and things like that? Do you think it's like, do you have to change your mind, your vibration, things like that? Uh, yeah, I think to some degree or another, uh, you know, everybody can. Um, I think, uh, 
you know, some people are, you know, more gifted to be able to do it. Like, uh, you know, anybody can go and swing a baseball bat, but how many people are, you know, going to make it to the major leagues and, you know, become the new home run champion. Right. So, um, so I think everybody's at a different level, but everybody can swing the bat. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, I'm never going to slam dunk, unfortunately, but (laughs) give me a trampoline, (laughs) you know, a couple of trampolines, maybe. I'm I'm curious. Um, do you have any estimation on when exactly the knowledge was lost? Was it like the sinking of Atlantis? Was it freezing over of Antarctica? And and a follow up on that: Was there any secret societies that ever were able to capture that information? Like you know, did the Bavarian Illuminati know about it? Did the uh, um, you know, did the cult of Mithras know about it? You know, does the does like the presidents the know yeah, about think, it when you get elected? Or yeah, I think they each had pieces of it. You know, um, I, I think a lot was lost around the time of Atlantis, the great cataclysm that you know all of these cultures talk about um, that just absolutely annihilated the earth, and it's it's almost carte blanche um, within every culture. They have a, you know some sort of flood story, some sort of cataclysm story where. Uh, the earth was obliterated and there were only a few survivors left. So what did they know beforehand? Um, so I think that's when most of that knowledge was lost. I think some of these other organizations that have, you know, come up over the years, like the Bavaria and Illuminati, um, you know, the Masons, the Templars, um, you know, they, they all were able to find pieces of it and different organizations uh, would try to, to stamp them out, um, either you know, they wanted the information for themselves or, you know, you had the, oh, it's heretical sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was, you know, the idea, you know, we don't want the world, you know, re-illuminated with that knowledge for one varying reason or another. And usually it's, it's for power. We've had a, we had a friend on uh, that brilliant dude has, if you believe him, which I, I do personally, he's a great dude he's worked on this sort of technology and has kind of created this uh, anti-gravitational sort of device that can do all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And he, he says that there's a lot of different ways to do the exact same thing. He says, there's like, there's like a thousand different ways to make this particular thing. And he says that the way that he came about it, uh, he said it probably cost you about a couple, couple thousand bucks. And he says everything they would need to do this at, at Basically, their business component to this. Oh, sorry, my internet uh, was you're bringing a little choppy. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know where I cut off. I don't know where I. Uh, cut oh, off you there, you were but, talking um, about the the um he could spend like a couple thousand dollars and then it started to break up. Okay, so he said it would cost you about a couple thousand bucks, like a trip over to you know like Home Depot basically and he says that 70 percent of people have most of what you need at home already um and he said that it, there's a consciousness component to it as well he says that you kind of yeah. like it, it was absolutely fascinating because there's a nuts and bolts component to this like where you have to sort of like maybe arrange this in such a like maybe a geometrical way he didn't give us details obviously because maybe they'd kill us or something i don't know but so <laughs> you have to <laughs> you have to put this thing together but then he was also talking about like so you have to like have a higher vibration as far as like not holding on to anger you have to like he says you have to like forgive people that were like like uh that you're holding on to grudges and things like that you have to almost have like a spiritual like cleansing in a way to do this but then he said that you could okay you could pick something up that you could pick up my house (laughs) if you wanted to and it's just it's fascinating this whole idea and he's he says that uh as well he said that it messes up. The, is it the Schumann vibration? Is that what the Earth is? Schumann resonance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he says that basically he had Men in Black knocking on his door the second he turned this thing on because it messes with that. They because they have like indicators that are like testing the the vibration, and as soon as he turned this on, it kind of like mm, like that. And it, yeah. He says it's like shooting off a like a flare, and everyone's go, and uh, it's really fascinating i love that idea and a lot of a lot of what he was saying too is that he thinks that maybe uh some of these bigger companies and things use this sort of technology or at least know about this kind of technology and it's kind of like an open secret and he says though also that 
what he wanted to use it for is like just to like maybe pick something up or like uh free energy or something like that but he says like if you understand how this works you could easily turn this into something like i could shatter that building next to me yeah and so that, death ray. yeah yeah basically like he says that and that's why this is so occulted and they're trying to hold on to it so much because it's like if you had this you could do wonderful things but in the wrong hands, it could be used to just absolutely decimate things. And I wonder if that's what caused, like, they, they call it, like, the mud flood or something, where uh, they just absolutely, like, the fall of Atlantis. Maybe it wasn't nukes. Maybe it was just some earth-shattering, just completely destroying my enemy sort of thing. I don't know. It's absolutely fascinating. What do, what do you know about that? You got one of those in your backyard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep one in the basement. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you think you look at like Edward Lee Scanlon with Coral Castle. Um, you know, how did he build that today? And, yeah. you know, he basically said that he had figured out the technology of the ancients, but he was secretive about it. You, you, you see his tripod and the black box. And people said that he was using things like stone, things that look like stone ice cream cones. Uh, you know, kind of under the cover of darkness sort of thing. And he was able to move these massive stone blocks. And when he passed away, what happened? Well, the government confiscated his his papers. Uh, we do know that it had something to do with magnetism. Yeah. You know, but, you know, how exactly it worked, you know, we don't know. But the government has that information. Just like uh, when Tesla passed away, they confiscated all of Tesla's papers. And it also makes you wonder, you know, there are a couple different times in Tesla's life where, uh, you know, his lab burned down. You know, why are we burning down his lab when he was on the brink of all this wonderful technology? You know, they didn't want it out, man. They didn't yeah. want it out. I, I always find that fascinating, too, because I think it was like Donald Trump's great uncle, great, great uncle, something yeah, like John, that. John F. Trump, I think. Yeah. He's the one that ended up with all of his paperwork, all of his uh, all of his technology and things like that. Hmm. That is absolutely fascinating. Yeah neat stuff oh absolutely yeah <laughs> i i do think it's funny the whole consciousness component to it where yeah. you'd have to be so like maybe like in a good vibration where you have to be kind of like a kind enlightened person but i'm looking at the elites and i don't see a kind enlightened person i'm like yeah, no, yeah. i think that they <laughs> probably of, just yeah. like you got to take the right pill right you take like uh you know, like like five grams of mushrooms or something. I'll be silly about it. And now all of a sudden, you don't have to forgive your enemies because it puts you into the same state as if you did forgive your enemies. So there, there's got to be workarounds to it. Yeah, but no, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, you're putting yourself onto the right frequency to be able to access these different things. And you know, when we look at okay, when we look at time travel, um, this is you know, a book that I'm working on right now. Um, you know, a lot of people say, okay, you know, when you get close to a black hole, you know, space and time is going to bend. Okay, well, we're not going near a black hole anytime soon. Uh, it's not going to be a DeLorean and a flux capacitor. Uh, a lot of our physicists say, you know, you need, you know, tons and tons and tons of energy. Okay, well, what, do we have to harness the sun for this energy that you're talking about? They are trying to, like, uh, you know, build portals and things in, in the lab. They actually have done so in the lab. Um but when it comes to something like time travel, I think it has more to do with willing the consciousness. It has more to do with consciousness. Uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, frequency, resonance, vibration, when we see some of the, these slips in time, um, you know, we, we're getting on that same wavelength as whatever that other point in time is. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, these people from that era and they're looking at us, you know, almost like as if we're the ghost sort of thing. I don't know how familiar guy familiar you guys are with the movie uh, Somewhere in Time from 1980 with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, but basically what he did was he convinced his mind that he was in 1912. Put on a suit from the era, put uh, you know removed all the modern amenities out of the room, um, you know, all this stuff, and actually convinced himself he was in 1912 and willed his consciousness back into that time so basically he put himself onto the same frequency um again it's a fictional story but i think i, I think that's you know, the right concept i think that's more of what it's going to be when we actually achieve it 
Yeah, that's fascinating, man. I yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. I think that that's total total possibility as far as like we have that ability. Like we've we had the the ruby slippers on the whole time. Yeah, you know that yeah. sort of thing. That whole idea. I love that. Um, and, and the problem though is if you had to change the room around, you'd never be able to come back. Like, how would you fill up your thing <laughs> in nineteen eighty thing? Yeah, when you're in nineteen twelve, that's a bummer. But uh, I love that idea, dude. I because I when we were talking about like what is holding this entire universe together, the whole projection, if like we're in a simulation uh, for the most part, I think it's us. It's us believing that we're here right now that I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you that like you're sitting in that room right there. I think that we make our, our, make our reality. Yeah. Our, yeah. We make our reality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the universe is an aggregor, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know. It's fascinating. Oh, know. it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what are some things? So if we're like here pretty soon, we are going to a lady's property. She's having us go there. We're going to stay there overnight. Um, there is a woman's presence that has been asking for help. Um, and I know that you are much more experienced with this sort of thing than we are. What would you do if you uh, do you have any advice for us? when We are going to communicate with a uh with someone that needs help that may be on the other side asking for help. Do you have yeah, um, be very open-minded about it. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, the person that you're interacting with, you know, used, used to be flesh and blood, used to be a human. So you would, you know, talk and interact just like you would, uh, you know, any other person. Uh, she may be confused as to what's happened to her that, you know, she might not even realize that she has uh, passed away. So, um, you know, you kind of have to be careful tiptoeing through it. I've seen, you know, too many television shows and I've, you know, been on too many other investigations where, you know, people are, you know, combative or insensitive and, and things like this. And it's like, this is a, you know, we're talking about, you know, a, a human spirit here. We're talking about somebody that was alive, you know, treat them with the respect uh, of somebody who is actually still alive. Yeah, I like that. I mean, there's been a couple of times that, we're sitting there and we're communicating with something. And my, my uh, teenage son and his friend are also part of our investigate, mm -hmm. our paranormal investigating team. And there's been a few times where uh, through the spirit box, they've said disrespectful and mm -hmm. things like yeah. that. And I'm like, boys, cut it yeah. out. Like, yeah. <laughs> <you gotta... laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely show some respect. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, this has been a lot of fun. I, I yeah. was telling you before that I, I am skeptical because I kind of feel like mm -hmm. once we get out of here, I'm like, why on earth would I stick around? You know, there's like, <laughs> you know, like is grandma really still here? Because if so, that sucks. Grandma, go like go explore the damn universe. Go and have some fun. Go, you know, yeah. <laughs> find some unanswered questions. But she's you know? but she wants to know if you're hungry or not, man. If yeah, you she need she that sandwich. And, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's fat, right. You know, yeah. But it's one of these things, man, where the more and more that I look into it, it it freaks me out and it makes me uncomfortable. And and I and I am trying to come in with an open mind, a skeptical but mm -hmm. open mind. Um, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely enjoying this. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about this book that you're coming out with? Do you know the name of it? Yeah, uh, Travels Through Time. Uh, it's book one of the Connecting the Universe series. So originally... I was going to have one book called Connecting the Universe, kind of piggybacking off of um, all the work I've been doing with the Connecting Universe portal and my podcast and all that stuff. Uh, but I had so much material, so many different topics going into it. It was like, I just need to split this off into uh, separate books and I'll make it a whole book series. So, uh, yeah, the first one is Travels Through Time and uh, it dives into, you know, a lot of what we were just talking about with uh, with time travel, uh, time slips, gets into simulated universe and a lot of these different ideas about you know, how how the universe works and what time really is, how it's really just, you know, kind of a human construct to describe our reality while we're here. I love it, man. Do you have any idea when this is going to be out? Uh, looking for early fall. Um, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I, I know how it goes, sort of. I mean, not really. I, I haven't written a book yet, but just working on a project, trying to make it come out as soon as I can. But then, like, the more and more that you find, it's harder because you don't want to miss anything. And, yeah, uh, I mean, Thomas has been yeah. writing a book for how long, dude? Like, the. Uh, 
40 years. No. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I've been working on a book about adrenochrome for a little over a year now, and it's the same okay. thing. Every time I, I dig up a, a new name or a new fact, it's like, oh, I can't put a book out and miss this. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, it's definitely at that point where thinking about maybe splitting it into multiple. So I, I love that yeah. idea. Yeah, that's exactly what I had to do. <laughs> well, Mike, why don't you tell our audience one more time where mm -hmm. they can find it and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, MikeRicksecker.com. That's my uh, primary website. You can find all the information out there to, to find my books. Um, the Shadow Dimension docuseries, which is running on uh, Tubi TV, Roku channel right now, and just got picked up by uh, Amazon. So it'll be out there on Amazon here pretty soon. Uh, but I have information on that out there. And then uh, all bits and uh, tours that uh, we have uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com, which is my online learning platform so we have weekly classes out there got all kinds of like behind the scenes sneak peek videos we have a monthly q a video that's coming out here in the next couple of days um a lot of insider articles and things like that out there so yeah come check it out heck yeah man that's awesome thomas you got anything to plug buddy yeah of course man uh right now we're we're have the kickstarter and early launch for the chosen one issue two this right here is issue one since issue two needs to be kickstarted to exist so if you go to paranoidamerican.com and click at the very top, it'll bring you to the Kickstarter. And here's a little preview of the very first issue. Outstanding, amazing art. This is the scene yeah. where uh, the Amazon box comes from outer space. And uh, here's our, our guy, Abraxas, who accidentally delivers it. And here's Juan, your, your homeboy Juan. So mm -hmm. yeah, that issue two uh, is going to be another fully blasted out. It's got all sorts of uh, characters in it. It's got Sam Tripoli from Tinfoil Hat. It's got Alex Stein. It's got a whole bunch of uh, cast in it. So, yeah, check that out at ParanoidAmerican.com along with all my other stuff. I love it, man. Uh, Rick, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on, especially when your book comes out. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Just hit me up, and we'll uh, we'll set it up. I love it, man. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Have you guys a have night. a good night. Take care. You too, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right,